Super Talk Mississippi media production. Did you know Toyota Brookhaven has sold more new vehicles the last two years than any other dealership in southwest Mississippi? Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. You want to know what it's like to be the absolute hardest working lady in the music biz? Well, you're about to find out today, as my guest is one of a kind. Inducted into the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame, she has toured over 40 countries over her career and refuses to slow down. She's had hits as an artist, including her top 10 duet with Mo Bandy, Let's Get Over Them Together. And as a writer, pen hits for Conway Twitty is number one, I Want to Know You Before We Make Love. Also, the great George Jones, Loretta Lynn, Emmylou Harris, Glenn Campbell, Alabama, Wanda Jackson, John Anderson. I can go on forever. All her pals call her the Beckaroo. So I call her Beckaroo. And it's been a long time since I've caught up. Moving to Mississippi, uh, uh, you know, being gone about nine years now, uh, this show has allowed me to catch up with old friends. Please welcome a wonderfully talented sweetheart of a woman, Becky Hobbs. What's up, Beck? Hey, man, I'm rocking. How are you doing? Well, you're always rocking. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Good. Are you in, uh, good. You in, in Nashville? I am, honey. I'm sitting up in my office, uh, let's see, crawling distance from the Bluebird Cafe. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah, just digging. I'm digging being home right now. I've had a few months where I haven't had to be driving back and forth to Oklahoma a bunch, so I'm very, very happy and well-rested. I uh, love it. Okay, so, Becky, what's <laughs> going on to be uh, family? Uh, what, what, what's getting you to make the Oklahoma road trip more often now? Wow. Well, I have written a full-blown musical, 18 songs, uh, about my fifth great-grandmother, who was a Cherokee war woman turned peacemaker, born in 1738, died in 1822. Uh, her English name was Nancy Ward, Cherokee name Nanyehi, and uh, she risked her life to make peace between the Cherokees and all others. It started out she was a war woman. And uh, her first claim to fame was she was chewing the bullets to make them more deadly beside her husband, Kingfisher, and he was killed in battle. This was in 1755. She took his rifle, killed his assailant, and led the Cherokee to victory. She was honored as war woman. And that's when she stood up and said, war, <laughs> war is not the way. The only way that we can survive is to make peace, especially with the uh, the settlers because they're they're not going they're not leaving they're not going anywhere right this so, is wow yeah 
Well, well tell yeah, me, tell so. me this, Beck. So, so mm-hmm. when did you? I mean, obviously, growing up was this uh, sort of a backdrop. Your the knowing the history of your life, or was it something that you've uncovered a little more lately? You know, I, I knew that I was a descendant of Nancy Ward all my life because my mom, you know, our, my mom's side of the family is the Cherokee blood, and uh, it was all documented. And she told me the story when I was a little girl about the chewing the, bu- the bullets, and I was infatuated with her. So I think that seed was planted probably ever since I can remember, four or five years old. And I always knew someday I would pay tribute to her. Now, it's interesting because right around 1993, I think when... When you, well, I think right around the time I met you, Steve, and your brother Joe, um, I started doing an album just of songs, dedicated uh, tribute album to Nancy Ward. And then I got waylaid with, you know, playing the the country gigs and everything and and took a detour. But I wrote Pale Moon, Let There Be Peace, By the Fire, uh, and a couple of the other songs from the musical back in 1993. So, yeah, it's something that has been brewing in my mind a long time. Then, in 2007, when Oklahoma was celebrating its centennial of 100 years of statehood, I met a guy named Nick Sweet, and I played uh, Let There Be Peace and Pale Moon at one of the celebrations of, of the statehood. And afterwards, he said, you know what? We need to write a musical about her. I know who she was. He had directed Trail of Tears in Tahlequah for a couple of seasons. So Nick Sweet and I wrote the book to the musical. I wrote or co-wrote 18 songs. We have had nine full productions, over 50 shows in four states. Wow. Most of the sh- productions have been in Oklahoma, though, which goes back to your original question that I took a long answer. But um, I, I And I also am a chair, uh, citizen of the Cherokee Nation based in Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and our current chief, Chief Bill John Baker, is also an anti-war descendant. So he has been very supportive, and we have had uh, standing ovations and not a dry eye in the house for uh, all 50 shows. Okay, so you've taken, we're talking to Becky Hobbs, the great Becky Hobbs, the Beckaroo <laughs> to all of you now because you know her. Uh, such great energy and uh, one of the most lovely women I've ever met in the music business, mm-hmm. that's for sure, and anywhere. Hey, Beck, so, uh, you, yeah. t- so you take this on the road. Yeah, actually, when we go to a new location, we have been using mostly uh, local talent because we don't have the funds yet to, to move everybody along. But it's wonderful. We have had shows in uh, Greenville, Texas, Kingsport, Tennessee, two shows there. Hartwell, Georgia was our first show, uh, Tahlequah, Oklahoma, and the Tulsa Hard Rock for the past four years. Oh, wow, that's so, amazing. Yeah, and, and we have used... we have. <laughs> We have found some killer talent in all of these areas. We have used, though, that uh, one of our favorite Nanya, he's Michelle Honecker, uh, who is now living in New York City. She is just wonderful, and she's come to some different locations t- for us. And also Travis Fight, who is a Cherokee Nation citizen, has played Dragon Canoe for us several times. And he, <clears throat> you know, it's a very demanding role. Right. And lots of singing and some dancing and movements, and we've got war scenes, and we've got love scenes, and, you know, it's it's really been uh, the mission of my life, because her message of hope and peace, folks, it just is something that needs to be heard over and over, and all of us humans on this planet, you know, when are we going to learn, so... I love it. Yeah. Amen, so, Be- Be- Becky, let me ask you this. So, when you yeah. were researching and, and diving mm-hmm. back... What was the process? 
of really you know getting enough detail to put on such a production? Well, um, I started out by, of course, researching uh, as much as I could about Nancy Ward. There, some of her speeches have been documented. Of course, they were written down by the, the white men through the years, so maybe the words weren't exactly you know what she said. Who knows? But um, I started out learning everything, getting every book about her. There's several books about her. A lot of it is made up fluff, you know, because we didn't know, you know, we, we didn't know what we know about people today. Right. We do know that her first husband was Kingfisher, and she had uh, uh, two children with him. And I'm uh, from one, I'm from her firstborn with Kingfisher. And then several years later, she married a white man named Bright Ward of Irish descent. And we have some of her speeches and the wars that she was involved with. But, but the historians say that she was involved in many, many more wars before that one, the Battle of Taliwa. And then I, I have access to the head researchers of the Cherokee Nation, and they're my best buddies, Jack Baker and David Hampton. And um, also, oh, I took three years of online Cherokee language classes. And honey, wow. <laughs> you know it ain't easy because it's. I only get to practice it like in, in ta- <laughs> when I'm in Tahlequah with people that speak Cherokee. But I can say Totli Waisa Dechanatla and Kawi Chaduli and Sangta Agikaha. What's all so that mean? I, I I just told you um, I have two cats. I want coffee. And the pig is eating the apple, and <laughs> <laughs> it really comes in handy sometimes. Yeah, I want coffee. You're, are you kidding me? That's exactly what I'm having right now. Let me have a sip. Me right too. Now. I'm having a sip right I'm, now. We'll toast you. Mm. I'm drinking coffee out of a chief going snake mug, and it's a great big tall. It's a very large mug. <laughs> I'm honestly drinking it out of my Super Talk Mississippi mug, and you know the funny thing is that it's getting, it's getting all vintage looking because I guess my thumb has been on the logo. I'm gonna have to. Ooh. As as my producers listening, I may end up getting. I wonder if they're going to send me one or like a set of six after this. You never know. You know? <laughs> hey, so we're talking to know. Becky Hobbs, uh, the Beckaroo. Becky, this is fantastic. You bring up an interesting point. First of all, you mentioned Greenville, Texas. I didn't know there was another Greenville in the world growing up. You know, I live in Greenville. I'm uh, in Mississippi, and where I'm from, and uh, and I, I took it personal when somebody said, "Oh, there's a Greenville, South Carolina, Greenville." I said, "No, it's not. Don't." stop it you know so and now i think there's a greenville in, in every state but when when you bring up an interesting point about uh finding local talent and i'm mm-hmm. sure what goes into starting a production over but if you can have some of those key roles travel um it's sort of the glue and that common thread that really i, I guess makes it move faster as far as uh getting to where you need to get to but by the time you you do your first production and get on stage. We're talking to Becky Hobbs. We're in a Mississippi minute. I can't wait to come see this play. I can't wait for it to hit the silver screen. She's one of the, the greatest women in Nashville that I ever met. You're in a Mississippi minute. I'll be right back. The news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Fox News Radio, late breaking, up to the minute, from around the world, around the clock, here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. There's a pool in the mirror, looking back across the bar. I'm Steve Azar. We are back in a Mississippi Minute with the Beckaroo. You got you to gotta Google her, Becky Hobbs, because uh, one of my first memories of coming to Nashville was you walking in Don Goodman's office and, and Craig Morris and the great one, Johnny Morris, and, and how everybody just stood at attention. They loved you. And I said, I got to have some of that love because, you know, oh, and, and, and just your spirit has always been so uh, uplifting. And, and you, you know, you walk in the room, Becky, and the place lights up and people feel good. And and and, oh and coming wow. from a career that you've had, because I know you've had challenges uh, along the way, and no challenge affects you. It seems like it seems like you walk into it with a smile, or at least you put that on in front of all of us. Uh, but <laughs> but let's go back first because I want to talk about your career as an artist, which has been stellar, and as a songwriter. But but go back. You're talking in the break. You were telling me about this thing is a a production that people can go view. Well, actually, they can't do it yet. Uh, we did create a short film last year, and uh, we, we will probably be able to put it up and post it soon. But we entered it into a lot of the film festivals, right. and we won some awards. And we basically did it because we wanted just to introduce the world to Nanyehi. But um, what was I going to say? But we are, the, the short film in... Uh, uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma, won several awards at the Bare Bones Film Festival, and uh, we won the pitch, which was one of ten uh, opportunities to pitch to the panel of bigwigs in, at the Nashville Film Festival, and then we were in the uh, uh, film festival in Parker, Arizona, on the Colorado River Indian Reservation, and we had many, many wonderful opportunities, but um, I wanted to tell people that if they wanted to see the trailer... Uh, you can go to nanyehe.com, and there's a link to the short film trailer. You can see pictures from all of our past productions of our musical and such. So I just want to mention that before. I love I it. Spell that it. real quick so we can yeah, make sure it's, everybody. It's N-A-N-Y-E-H-I.com. Nanyehe.com. I'm excited about that. <laughs> Becky, take me back. Yeah. Um, tell me when music started to seep into your being and when you said, I think I want to do this because you've never looked back. Nope. Nope. I, you know what? <laughs> I really haven't. If I do, it's, it's only fondly, you know, like, wow, that sure was fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't really remember the bad stuff too much, but yeah, I started writing songs in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, which is where I was born. Uh, when I was nine years old, my, my older sister, three and a half years older, four years older in school years, and uh, she, we moved to our new house, and we were so proud of it. And our dad bought us a piano. My dad always loved music. He played the violin, not professionally, but at Coffeeville Junior College in Coffeeville, Kansas. And he loved, loved, loved music. He really instilled that love in my sister and me. So my sister started taking piano lessons, playing all these cool songs like Flying Purple People Eater, and I Told the Witch Doctor I Was in Love With You, and once I had a secret love, songs like that. So here I am in my braids going, I want to play that. So I started taking lessons, and, you know, I really, I wasn't real crazy about the lessons because I found that I would rather make up my own song. I'd sit on the piano bench, and I'd just 
start pounding away, making up my own songs. And there you go. It, uh, yeah, and then I can. I did. I, I quit taking piano lessons for a while because I didn't like it, and then I. Then I started taking them again, and I'm glad I did because now, all these years later, it's coming in handy. You know, I can read notes off of the page, and right. all of that came together, even though all these years I've written songs by ear, played by ear, and all that stuff. So my sister and I, after school, our mom worked at Phillips Petroleum Company, which, you know, Bartlesville was pretty much a one-horse town, and everybody worked for Phillips. So after school, my sister and I were alone, and we would fight over the piano bench who would get to practice, and we'd hover our butts over the bench and, you know, hit each other with our butts. <laughs> and then then it ended up with the, we, one of us would pick up the Baptist hymnal and start hitting the other one. <laughs> and, and my sister was twice my size, but honey, I won. And I, yeah, you did. I was me. I you know. And uh, so anyway, we had we had lots of fun back in those days. But that's when I knew I was a songwriter. Well, and, and how, I've known and how it all old, my Becky? life. How old? I know. Nine. I know. How old were you then? Yeah, nine years old. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. And I bet you, I'll bet you, you, I bet you, you knew it young too. Yeah, about ten years old. It hit me, and wow. I was on a mission. You know, I was going to say that for so many of our friends that do this for a living. I there's one common denominator. We were all about the same age, and wow. and it never and we not, none of us never look back because we we may be that dumb, <laughs> but that's all right. I like I like this kind of dumb. It's all right. It's all right. We're talking to Becky Hobbs. Hey Beck, um, tell me this. Uh, when when do you make the trek to Nashville, or is it Nashville first? Uh, and and do you go to college, or do you you know what what's your sort of what's your roadmap oh. to success? Well, my roadmap really was uh, when I was 15. Oh, well, when I was 14, uh, I begged my parents. I, you know, I didn't have a job yet or anything. I begged my parents to buy me a folk guitar, and they bought me a $25 folk guitar. I started playing guitar, and I was into Bob Dylan and Joan Baez and the pro, all the songs of the time. Man, I was wild about that. And uh, then uh, when I was, yeah, then when I was 15... I started what has now been documented, the first all-female rock band in the state of Oklahoma. And when I was inducted into the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame, that was one of the, that was one of the selling points, baby. And we uh, wore our mini skirts and go-go boots and turned up loud and uh, really made a ruckus. And, you know, we thought that we would be attracting the boys. Well, <laughs> uh, a lot of them were, like, scared of us. <laughs> and they, or, or, you know, we play these little gigs down at the Y Hut and the youth canteen and such. And after the show, you know, they'd sort of red face, hang their head and go, well, you're pretty good for girls. Uh. You know? <laughs> but anyway, so fast forward, uh, the girl band, we started competing over the same boys, you know, the cute boys. We had crushes on the same boys. And as petty little young girls would do, we started bickering. And so an opportunity came up for me to join an all-girl band out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, that was really put together by a contest. And the guy who put it together, Charlie Brown of Charlie Brown's Guitars, got the idea for the all-girl band from my all-girl band in Bartlesville. Because hmm. the Bartlesville band started playing a weekly, uh, not every week, but a show that called Dance Party, Lou Bailey's Dan Lee Bailey's Dance Party on a TV channel in Tulsa on Saturday. Huh. So anyway... So this band in Tulsa, they had a contest to name the band, and we were called the Surprise Package. Oh, S-I-R-P, 
capital P-R-I-V-E package. <laughs> anyway, so we made a ruckus, and then we sort of broke away from Charlie Brown because he was sort of getting a little weird, like before the show. He'd say, let me see your shorts, girls. You know, so we'd like lift up our little mini dresses to show him we were wearing shorts. That would not work today. No, it would not work today. And we thought, oh, he just wants to make sure that we're, you know, covered. But, you know, and looking back, I don't yeah, know. But I don't know. anyway, yeah. so, so fast forward beyond Charlie Brown. Uh, we ended up in upstate New York. The same summer of Woodstock, we were playing in a lot of little, we didn't go to Woodstock, but we were playing all, all these little clubs and show bars up in the northeastern part of the country where we actually perform on a U-shaped bar. And all these little, you know, businessmen would be, like, looking up at us, and we'd be playing, you know, Three Dog Night and the Supremes and the Young Rascals, and we even slipped in Oki from Muskogee yeah. <laughs> once in a while. So, anyway, uh, I went one year to Tulsa University a- a- amongst that time, and then I realized, hey, I ain't going to learn anything I need to know in college. I, what, I'm gonna, what I need to know, I'm learning on the street, baby, and on the road, right, right. you know. So, uh so then I wound up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, playing with a guy band called Swamp Fox. A couple of years in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, we were playing southern rock music, honey. And I, I think my, well, my poor little voice was just worn out, and I was singing all kinds of Janis Joplin songs. And, of course, we were doing some original songs. Lewis and I were both writing. And Lewis and I went out to Los Angeles. Uh, we arrived in Los Angeles, and I drove my little 66 Mustang convertible out there and he had an old Le Mans with Bondo on it <laughs> and pulling a trailer and we arrived in Los Angeles in February of 1973. What a picture. Just the greatest thrill of my life. I met all kinds of, you know, I met uh, Glenn Fry in the bar at the at the Troubadour and I met all kinds of people in LA, Harry Nielsen and Danny Hutton, whom I'd actually met on the road with the all-girl band. We opened shows for Three Dog Night earlier. I hung out with just lots of brilliant people. I love it. And um, I didn't hang out with Glenn, though, but I came reunited with Glenn Fry after I met my current husband, Dwayne Shockwa, who played with Glenn for 16 years on the road. And you know what? I was out there during the urban cowboy craze. When I went to L.A., I sort of thought I was a rock singer. And I'd open my mouth, and people would say, you're a country singer. And yeah, go, you, I, you're a little bit of everything. <laughs> I know you're an Oklahoma gal, and I know you scream mm-hmm. it, and I know you wear it, but you get to play DJ. Would you like to hear a little Conway Twitty or Paul Davis? Oh, honey, I love them both. I love them both, but I'd have to say Conway, because Conway was so good to me. I love it. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We are with the Beckaroo, <laughs> Becky Hobbs. Stand by. And that's the reason that my good looks and my figure is gone. That's the reason that I ain't got no hair to comb And you're the reason our kids are ugly, little darling Bobby looks ain't everything And money ain't everything But I love you just the same I met you at the rodeo in town In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are in a Mississippi Minute. I am with the Becca Ruth. Becky Hobbs, hit singer-songwriter, has had a long, incredibly 
successful career, and she has toured the world. Uh, you know, it's funny. We have one guy that is the reason we all met, and it's Rick Sanchek. And I love Rick so much. He was my first manager, my first publisher, um, and he's still one of just an incredible man in my life, uh, a, a man, a figure that just, just I love him. You know, he's like he's like a dad and and a, and a brother. Yeah. And so uh, I always, I'm always thankful for when I get to talk to old pals like you that I remember him because it's amazing. He's writing a book, and I can't wait to interview him because his family's mm-hmm. career, his brother and his dad um, who have passed, uh, and Rick has such an, an illustrious career in the business of music. And yeah. those guys know. And so I can't wait to read this book that's probably going to end up in every university. Like uh, It's going to be like a history book I mean, it's of yeah. music. So glad you mentioned it because I love, love, love Rick Sanjek too, and he really was a, my big connector in Nashville with you and Don Goodman, and uh, so much good things that have happened to me was through Rick Sanjek. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about. I'd left Don Goodman's office, and then I come <laughs> back, and I hear you guys writing "Angels Among Us," and I want to talk about the impact that that song has made, the the hearts it's touched, and. And where was, you know, where did it come from, Becky? And then would you ever imagine that, you know, once Alabama recorded it, and it, it would impact like it's done on, on such a massive level? Yeah, it, it was, you know, it all, it all started really with, uh, I had a warning from my, later I realized it was my guardian angel that I was going to be in some kind of a terrible, uh, some kind of an accident, and uh, the the story has been documented several times, so I don't know how in deep that we have time to go today. But it I give me born, the Cliff Notes version. We got time. Oh man, I, yeah, yeah. Um, it, well, it was shortly before my birthday in whatever uh, uh, January nineteen eighty six, I believe. And I just. I was inside my kitchen making myself a birthday cake because I was going to have people over the next day. And I just got this force that just took a hold of my elbow and just really just pulled me out into the front yard. And I just, and I stood out in the front yard in the middle of the night by myself. Well, I wasn't by myself, but I looked up and I just said, what, what? And I heard this masculine voice say, this may be your last birthday. Anyway, it just, I, I, I was so ill at ease and I, I kept asking for more information I did not get any more information so I went back in my house I was going over the words this may be your last birthday it doesn't have to be so I thought man I've got to just you know keep keep aware anyway two nights had my birthday the very next day January 25th my band and I had a gig in Albertville Albertsville Alabama and after the gig, we were in our Dodge Maxi van and uh, pulling a trailer, and we were stopped at a four-way light sort of outside of town. And I looked out the left window, and there was an 18-wheeler <clears throat> just barreling towards the intersection. I thought, my God, if this light turns red, he's not going to be able to stop. And I got this same feeling that I had gotten out in the yard that my heart just started beating, and oh, I yelled at our driver. He, he was Our light just turned green, and he was starting to go. I yelled at him to stop. Anyway, he did stop, but the uh, 18-wheeler barreled into us, totaled our van, spun around. Bottom line, we all got out of there with only cuts, bruises, minor injuries. Hmm. And I just, 
I, I felt if I had not have been on guard like that, that I would not have just yelled out like that because our driver never saw the 18-wheeler. He just stopped because I yelled stop. And Were we you on guard, in. Becky, because you felt because because of what had happened a couple nights before, or, or oh, the nights yes. before birthday? Yeah, before the warning, birthday? the the masculine voiced war- warning uh, was uh, so uh, like you you pay attention to this. So yeah, I was, and I had had premonitions for about the previous month before I'd fall asleep that someone, that something was going to happen to me, but I didn't know what. And it just mm-hmm. came to a peak that the night before my birthday. So anyway, I knew, I, so, you know, the, you know, a couple of days later in Nashville, we all went to the hospital and everything, but we got released. A couple of days later in Nashville, I just, I believe there are angels among us, and I wrote it down, and the chorus came pretty much in a whoosh. But I just couldn't get the verses, because to tell it like it could exactly happen, didn't sound like a song, you know, mm-hmm. we were sitting at an intersection in our Dodge Maxi van, you know, I thought, I want a song that gives this message, but I want it so people can sing it and relate to it, and children and everybody, and I, so I sort of sat on it, and I sort of embraced this idea and this chorus for years, and then I just finally, after working on it here and there and having spurts of energy, I called Don Goodman. And I said, Don, I said, I want to I, I, I want to play you this chorus and this idea, and I just wondered if you'd help me with it. So I sat down and played him the chorus. I hummed a little bit like what I thought the verse should go like. And when I looked up, I said, do you want to help me on it? And I looked up, and he had tears running down his face. He yeah. said, Beck, I'd be honored. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And I, I met Goodman through... Rick Sanjack once yep. again. Oh, when when Goodman connected on that energy in that room, I think we got together one more time after that. Yeah, and yeah, it was just as you know, because you know you're a great writer and you're a great entertainer, and I'm one of your biggest fans. I want to get the <laughs> now before we. I love you, it. but I'm a mutt. But I do love that. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> you're a mutt. You're you're the cutest dang mutt I've ever seen. <laughs> Lord. Lord have mercy. Love you, and I love your brother, Joe. Oh, I know. He's great. But anyway, yes, so... So it did, and then we we, de- we demoed the song, you know, downstairs at Evergreen is where we demoed the song, and uh, I took it, uh, I you know, I, sa- I sang it, and I took it over the music mill, a uh, little cassette with Randy Owens' name on it, and now uh, Alabama had cut two of my songs before. They right. were the first act to cut I Want to Know You Before We Make Love that later Conway Twitty, oh. as you mentioned, had the big hit with. And they cut a song I co-wrote called Christmas Memories on their Red Christmas album. Right. That Yeah. So I, and I had known Randy and he, you know, and I, so we, we had some kind of a wonderful soul connection. But I, I really, when I took it over there, I thought, this song is so different from anything they've ever cut. Well, uh, not even maybe a month later, I got a call from Randy, and they were in the studio that week, and he was asking me about the song and said his five-year-old daughter, Randa, loved it, that he'd been reading her the words for her bedtime story. Wow. And that Randa was just determined that they needed to record this song. <laughs> I, I know. I'm getting goosebumps talking yeah, about it. And, uh and Randy asked me, you know, now how did you write it? And I, I, I told him what I, you know, what I could without just 
eating up all of his time because they were like actually in the studio. He said, well, I really want to record it, he said, but nobody else in the band wants to. Then he called the next day, and I, yeah, we, we chatted a little more, and I said, well, are, are you all going to cut it? And he said, I don't know. He said, I think I finally got uh, Teddy talked into it, but nobody else wants to. So then finally he called me and he said that they had recorded it. Hmm. I was so thrilled and grateful. And then I found out years later, Randy told me that he actually got to the point where he just told the guys in the band, if we don't record this song, I'm quitting. Wow. And, he, and yes. And then he's also told me that it's get, gotten more response than any other song Alabama has ever recorded. And anyway, I, I just want to say right now that I am so grateful because it all came from the creator. It was all meant to be. I w- I'm grateful that I was some kind of a vehicle for it. And just, uh, mm. you know, it's just, it's the songs become just so wonderful. Well, they came and from such a, an important place. We're talking yeah. to Becky Hobbs. Yeah. Uh, Co author of Angels Among Us. You know, I just, I remember walking in and you're on your keyboard and I believe. You know, and I just went, oh my gosh. And I remember everybody and Craig, you know, Craig Morris and Johnny, Johnny Morris was, he scratches his arm and that's the sign like he's trying to wipe the chill bumps off, you know? And I just remember going, oh my good. I mean, you know, those are the, the, the memories for me, all the 20 years in Nashville, walking into a lot of my pals when they were doing it, like it was a magical moment and getting to be yeah. a part of of that and not 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 when not when I did it because you, you you never know but when you when you're on the outside looking looking in this at this incredible mm-hmm. moment and you guys were doing that it's just a mm-hmm. blessing to be able to see something such in the raw that hasn't mm-hmm. found its place among the masses and you were in that intimate little setting where you got to hear it first and I'm telling you that to me has always been like you know some of my mm. most memorable moments and it just it'll never go away and i was the, i remember that i mean so so wow. the song obviously saint jude uh, the song yeah. has done so much right and it just it just yeah. it'll never slow down never yeah i hope yeah i i i pray that it goes on and on and on and yeah. i just yeah i love it i love it. we're talking to becky hobbs we are in a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. I'm having the best time uh, uh, getting to Reno, my old pal. We're going to be right back. <laughs> News Mississippi, on air, online, and now on the brand new News Mississippi app. You can select the breaking news and weather alerts you want. Just look for News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. That's News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. He said goodbye yesterday. I'm Steve Azar. I'm with the Beckaroo. Yes, you can call it the Beckaroo. We're closing in on a full <laughs> Mississippi Minute. I don't know what, what an Oklahoma Minute's like. I know what a New York Minute's like. But now Ooh. Becky's going to know about how long it takes uh, to get the story out. Hey, Becky, so your first hits, when, when do you go from L.A. to Nashville? Because there was Glenn Campbell and there was, you know, there was a lot of artists from L.A. to, and, and obviously Glenn was somebody that musically reached the masses, great musician, oh, yeah. great singer. But when did, you know, from Glenn Campbell to George Jones? Well, it was the urban cowboy craze. Because in L.A., I was 
sing, singing sort of more pop rock stuff, even though I had this country voice and I was compared with, uh, quote, unquote, a, a poor man's Brenda Lee, uh, <laughs> Ske- Skeeter Davis after swallowing razor blades. Uh, I mean, all these reviews of me. Um, so I went from that, and Jeff Wald was briefly my manager, who was married to Helen Reddy at the time, hence my relationship with Helen. Helen was wonderful. If she had two songs pitched to her that she liked equally as well, and she would cut the one written by the woman because she yeah. she understood, you know, our, our trail here yeah. and uh, our blazing of the trail. But anyway, uh, Urban Cowboy Craze moves in, and I was just hot to trot, honey, and added fiddle and pedal steel to my band. Actually, I did all that before the Urban Cowboy Craze, and I was out there... Um, singing in the L.A. Honky Tonks. And then once uh, the Urban Cowboy Craze moved in there, I started singing at the ranch in Garden Grove. Rocky Rubino let me sing for 30 minutes before the wet T-shirt contest every Tuesday night. <laughs> that, now, that was, that was a heck of a challenge. And then he added me to female mud wrestling night. I got to sing for My 30 goodness. minutes before that. Yeah, and then he liked me so much that he added me on Friday and Saturday. So I was making all this cash. You know, cash uh, under under the table. Thank you, Rocky Rubino. Cash and is queen. He's passed yep. on now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, really making a mark for myself as an entertainer out there, and also my songwriting. And I was doing pretty much all of my own songs. <laughs> you know, I learned the standards because I have such great respect for the, the the standards and the great great writers of all time and everything. And so I, I was doing that, but but mostly my own material and. I was playing at a gay bar called The Rawhide in Burbank, and my number one requested song out there was Stand By Your Man <laughs> at The Rawhide. Wow. You but, know, it's so oh, funny. Yeah. I'm listening to this, and I'm going like, I love this, because only, <laughs> only you, the little girl that was pushing her sister off the piano bench, mm-hmm. Could, mm-hmm. could play all of these kinds of venues. As you, start, as you started mm-hmm. to get cuts, were they songs you wrote for yourself? Uh, no, I really wasn't. Then I really I saw early on, and you know because I would much ra- I would the main number one thing I would do in the world m- more than anything is write write a song. I came into this world as a songwriter, and I can't imagine anything greater really than hearing a, a talented artist sing my song, sing something I, I wrote. I so it. I got to where I was writing so much that I I would say, gosh, I could sure hear so and so singing this or whatever. So. I was writing songs for just the best I could write and to get them out there the most that I could. You know, the Mercury deal was just singles. Right. You know, when the singles didn't burn up all the way up to number one, you know, well, you know, the label's going to drop you because, you know, and you're not going to get to make an album. And then uh, uh, Mo Bandy came along. God bless Mo Bandy, man. Yeah. I met him. I opened for him at the Coffeeville, Kansas Fair and Rodeo, and I got that gig through Grandma Hobbs, who sold coffee and donuts <laughs> at Goldie's Donuts, who were my aunt and uncle in Coffeeville, Kansas. And the guy that booked the Fair and Rodeo came in there one day, and Grandma said, hey, who you got to play the, the rodeo this year? And he said, well, we got Mo Bandy, and we're looking for a girl singer to open the show. And Grandma Hobbs said, well, my granddaughter sings, so she, she, she'll open the show. <laughs> I opened the show. I got my musician friends from Tulsa to meet me there. We had a few rehearsals, opened the show for Mo, and after the show, Mo called me to his bus, and he said, my God, girl, he said, you are a 
heck, hell of a great entertainer. And if you had a hit record, you'd be dangerous. He said, you want to sing a duet with me? And I said, you bet your boots, cowboy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so we cut Let's Get Over Them Together, and that was a top ten. Right. And we... Yeah, and we still do an occasional show together. I would love to work with Mo all the time, but, you know, at this point, we're all doing what we can to to keep going. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Well, Becky, listen, I could spend a Mississippi month with you, just FYI, not a minute. I could just talk forever. But the good news is... I could, too. The good news is I I can let you go and enjoy the rest of your day, and and you can get rid Mm. of me. Everybody's got to go check out my girl, the Beckaroo. (laughs) Becky Hobbs, the great Becky Um, Hobbs. I just, I love catching up with you and, uh, and hearing the stories behind your success and you, you sharing it with my listeners. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you, Steve. I love you so much too. And God bless you. You're the best. Oh, I love you, girl. What can I say? Oh, I love it. I'm going to let it go there. I feel it. My head is swelling through my ear, my ear, my earphones right now. They've grown four inches wider than they were. And I've got space between them, more space than, than I deserve. I'm Steve Azar. We've been with Becky Hobbs, the Beckaroo. You've been in the Mississippi Minute on Super Talk later on. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Whether you're a rebel, a bulldog, a golden eagle, or just a sports fan, Super Talk Mississippi has got a podcast for you. For you. Sports Talk Mississippi, The Rebel Report, Thunder and Lightning, The Super Talk Eagle Hour, and The Borky Show are all now available for you, and it's all free. Free. Get them all on demand at supertalk.fm and on your smartphone. Just search for Super Talk on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.